Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. Amen. Well, hey, uh, one of the things I wanted to quickly tell you about is on April the 3rd, you're invited to come worship in our new worship facility. Y'all excited about that? Man, we're we're doing everything we can to get everything in place, but we've kind of set the date as April the 3rd. You'll be getting more information about that. But April the 3rd, come 1030. Yeah, we won't be in here, uh, thankfully. Uh, the Lord has provided uh, that and so you're invited to that. Tell everybody that you know, and about three or four hundred other people, and uh, it'll be all good. I read the story about a young boy who went to the local store with his mother, and the shop owner passed him a large bucket of suckers and invited the young boy to take a handful uh, for himself. Well, uncharacteristically, the boy didn't take anything. Well, then the shop owner put his hand in the bucket, pulled out a handful of suckers, and and gave it to the little boy, and he gladly received them. And then they kind of went outside, and the mother turned to her son, and she said, "Uh, son, why why didn't you take those suckers? That's not like you. You're not shy like that. He said, well, mama, I've learned some things, and I know that the the store owner's hand is much bigger than mine is. (laughs) I want to tell you today that God's hand is much bigger than yours. Yes, to be even punny, he offers us some sweet blessings in Jesus Christ. Grace is one of the biggest blessings that God gives us. I want you to know that no matter what you've been told or no matter what your experience may tell you, that God really loves you and desires to bless you. What are some of those awesome blessings that God gives to us? Well, that's a great question because last week, or not last week, but the week before that, we really looked in 1 Corinthians and we saw two of those blessings. This morning, we're going to kind of review that very quickly, and then we're going to look at one of the other blessings that we have because of Christ. Again, in the uh, mind of God, I think these are spiritual aerobics, but I'm going to have you stand yet again for the reading of God's Word And I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. One of the things I want to remind you of is that we don't stand because of religiosity. We stand because I want us to know that there's something significant happens when God speaks. I want to teach us to reverence the Word of God. Amen. That's why we're doing this. We don't have to do this. We're not in sin if we don't do this. Just our attempt to honor that we want to pay attention to what God says. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, Paul says, I thank my God always concerning you for what, church? For the grace of God, which is in you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in Him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who will also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is what, church? Faithful. Through whom you were called in the fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You may be seated and may the Lord bless the reading of his word. So let's review very quickly. One of the things that we saw in that text was, is we have the past grace of salvation. Paul says, I thank God for the grace that's been revealed to you in Christ. And we basically taught that grace says that what I owe has been paid. I have a sin debt before God, but because of the grace in Jesus, Jesus has paid that and, and I don't owe that. That's the second thing that grace says, I don't owe what's been paid. In other words, there's really this thing that says Jesus Christ canceled my debt and I no longer have to work to try to pay him back for it. And the last thing that we said, grace says I couldn't pay it even if I wanted to. There's no way that I could ever pay such a magnificent debt and I have this past grace of salvation. That's one of the great blessings we have in Christ. The second thing we talked about from this text was we have the present gifts of the Spirit. Paul says you've been given all gifts and speech and knowledge. We talked about that. That means we have the ability to express the gospel. We've been given the gift of all speech to proclaim the mysteries of the Lord Jesus. And then we also have the ability to explain the gospel. We've been given the knowledge to even understand what we're talking about. The things of God are spiritually discerned. And those of us who have the spirit can spiritually discern them and explain them to other people. And then he says that you're not lacking, he said, there in any gift. And that we taught that we have the ability to exercise the gifts. These are the spiritual gifts that happen within the body. Some of them are service. There's administration. There's leadership. There's helps. There's preaching. There's teaching. There's mercy. There's all kinds of spiritual gifts. And we have been given the ability to exercise those gifts because Paul says that we're not lacking in any gift. So, so far what we've seen is we have been given grace, what we currently have, and now this morning we're going to look at what's in the future. So let's look to the third thing this morning that would be new to us today, that is we have the promise of guaranteed security. We have the promise of guaranteed security. I want you to look back in verse 7, and I want you to pick up in the last half of that verse in your Bible there. It says this, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus who will also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Lord Jesus has saved us with his past grace, presently empowers us with the gifts of grace, and he guarantees that the final fulfillment of grace will happen. You and I watch and wait for the Lord's next and final coming, and because our citizenship is in heaven, not here, Paul says that we eagerly await his coming. We're confident that Jesus Christ is coming back, and we know that it's going to happen soon. When Paul says that we await eagerly, that means to wait with anticipation and activity. In other words, it's not idle or passive waiting like waiting on a bench for a bus to come by. No, it's working while we wait. It's using the gifts while we wait. Revelation appears to the manifestation of the Lord in his glory and his splendor. The text says Jesus will confirm us to the end. That means that we're forever secure in Jesus. But when he comes, when the revelation of the Lord Jesus comes, there's a few things that Paul implies here that, that I think we need to know. 
The first one is that we'll see the joy of the Savior. He says, we're awaiting eagerly the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. At the revelation of Jesus Christ, we will see Jesus exalted. We will see his joy complete. We oftentimes think that the awaiting of Jesus Christ is for us only, but it's also for him too. It's also for him because he went to the cross knowing, went there, the joy that was set forth for him, the scripture says. There was joy coming for Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 too that looking only at Jesus, the originator and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. At his second coming, that joy that Jesus has been waiting on will be realized. Christ's long overdue and internally deserved exaltation will happen. For 2,000 years, Jesus has been neglected. He's been humiliated. He's been despised. He's been rejected. He's been mocked. He's been dismissed. But when he comes again, oh, brothers and sisters, when he comes again, Philippians 2.10 says this, so that at the name of Jesus, what's going to happen? Every knee's going to bow. Those who are of heaven and on earth and even under the earth. Jesus Christ came the first time as the sin bearer. He's coming again in his glory and his majesty, and I'm eagerly awaiting that. How about you? Amen. We're going to see the joy of our Savior, but then secondly, we're going to see the judgment of Satan. We're going to see the judgment of Satan. The revelation of Jesus will bring the final defeat of Satan. It will bring humiliation and the punishment he deserves. Right now, John 14, 30 describes Satan as the ruler of this world. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, he's called the prince of the power of the air. But at the revelation of Jesus, he will be bound for 1,000 years, and then he will be released for a little while, and then he'll be chained and thrown into the eternal lake of fire where he will burn forever and ever and ever. Revelation 20, verse 10 says this, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day, night, forever, and ever. Who's excited about Satan being tormented? Amen? I mean, praise God, he's tormented me long enough. It's about time he gets his share. Amen? I mean, praise God. I have no problem with Satan burning in hell. I'm just going to tell you right now, I have no problem with that. But see, when Jesus comes back, that's one of the reasons we can eagerly await that, right? It's because finally Satan will be defeated. I can't, I can't wait about that. Can anybody just say amen to that? Amen. All right. Well, then also we'll see justice for the sufferers. Brothers and sisters, if you're listening online and you happen to be hearing us from Ukraine or even Russia somehow, I don't know how that would happen with the way all the lockdown is on all communication, but one day you will see justice. The Bible says that we eagerly await the revelation. At the Lord's return, he will make right all persecution and affliction of his people. Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 say it this way. When the lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been killed because of the word of God. Did you hear that? <laughs> and because of the testimony which they had maintained... And they cried out with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, O holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who live on the earth at the revelation of Jesus Christ? That's when it's going to happen. Amen. 
At his return, he will bring vengeance on all those who called his people to suffer. Romans 12, 19 says that vengeance belongs with the Lord. That vengeance has been long delayed and long deserved, but it will take place, beloved. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 say this, For after all, it is only right for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you. And to give relief to you who are afflicted along with us when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, amen. One day, everyone who has suffered because of Christ, they will be vindicated, amen. And also, we're gonna see the judgment of sinners. At his second coming, everyone who has ever rejected Jesus Christ will face his judgment. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9 says this. And to give relief to you who are afflicted along with us, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God, and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These people will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. The Lord is coming to judge everyone who's ever hated or rejected him and beloved, this is what we really deserve. If you have never received the Lord Jesus Christ, can I just lovingly tell you today that you will receive an eternal damnation forever and ever, and there is no changing it. But God sent me here today to tell you, you don't have to have that happen. God loves you and is telling you today through his book, through his man, through these people that Jesus Christ died to take that damnation for you. He died to suffer in your place. He died to pay the wages of sin and suffered the wrath of God for you. And all you need to do today is to say, yes, Lord, I deserve it. But somehow you love me enough that you've given me grace so that I don't have to receive it. And if I just trust you by faith and ask you to forgive me and believe that you died for me, you would save me from that. That's what it means to be saved. If that's you today, I want to give you an opportunity in just a few moments at the end of the service, I will invite you to pray right there in your seat or to come to me and receive the greatest gift God has ever given, and that would be freedom from his judgment, amen? Well, then can I tell you something else, man? Can I put us back on some really good, exciting news that's even just pumps me up? We're going to also see the jubilee of the saints. <laughs> when Jesus Christ comes back... 
waiting eagerly for the revelation, Lord. When, when he comes, it will mean heaven for all eternity for those of us who've believed in his name. Anybody ready for heaven? I heard one man say, hey, I want to go to heaven. I just don't want to die to get there. <laughs> man, I'm all right. I mean, I don't really want to die either, but I'm ready for heaven. Come whatever. Amen. But listen to me. Unlike Satan's punishment, Unlike the rejecter's punishment or vengeance on those who have persecuted the believer, right? Unlike those, that's what people deserve. The grace of heaven will be totally undeserved. It'll be something that God gives to those who don't deserve it. We deserve the very same fate as everyone who's ever rejected Christ. But in Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness and redemption. We're made holy. We have everlasting life. And we will spend eternity in the presence of God forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 8 says that when he comes, he will confirm you to the end. He says that we will be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ will affirm before the throne that you and I are blameless, not just for a little bit, for all eternity. Let me help you just a second what that really means. That word blameless is a word that's made of a preposition and a negative prefix. The word is the word to call. The preposition that's attached to it in the Greek is the word in. Thus it means to call in. But the negative prefix on the front of it means this, to not call in. Thus, what we have is, is never, ever will there be, and never, ever for all eternity, will there be a time when God calls us in to give an account for our sin. We will be blameless forever. Somebody can't get excited about that. I can't help you, church. We are unchargeable and forever above accusation because Jesus Christ will confirm us to the Father to the very end. When that day comes, Jesus has already told us about what's going to happen because he did it through Paul in Ephesians chapter 5. So that, Ephesians chapter 5, 26 and 27, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle in any such thing, but that she would be holy in what, church? Blameless. She'd be holy and blameless. First Thessalonians 5, 23 says it this way. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, what? Entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept, what? Complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that you and I are guaranteed of this promise because, not because we're faithful, because the Bible says who's faithful? Look in your Bible, verse nine. What does it say? God is what? Faithful, amen. God is faithful. God is faithful. In the Greek, this is emphatic. The stress is on the first word. In other words, in the Greek, it reads this way. Faithful is God. It is through him, the Bible says, that we were called. God calls someone to salvation, and he is faithful to complete that call, amen? Romans 8, 30, he says this, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also did what? He glorified, amen. We are saved because of God's grace. Now check this out. You and I stay saved because of God's grace. Woo! 
that's good. He is faithful. It was grace that saved me. It's grace that sustains me. And it's grace that secures me. Amen. The text goes on to say that we have been brought into fellowship with his son. He saved us when we were wretched. Can he now despise us because we've come into the fellowship of his son? I mean, think about it. Jesus Christ jumped into your life when you and I were the most wicked. Now that we're in him, does it make sense that he would kick us out? For heaven's sake, no. Once you're in, you're in. Once you're saved, you're always saved. And that's not because of us, that's because of him, amen. The text says, listen to me, what, what I'm trying to tell you, if you've, got a, if you've got a pencil or you want to put something in that, that's ever, I've said, you're like, man, I want to check that out, check this one out. Here you go, fact checkers, here we go, ready? Here we go. We are as secure in our salvation as Jesus is in his sonship. That right there will preach. We are secure in our salvation as Jesus in his sonship. Jesus Christ is forever the son of God and forever brought us into the family of God. So as long as Jesus is the son, I am in the family, amen. That's never gonna change. Alan Redpath said, all Jesus has is at my disposal and his desire is that I have all that's at his disposal. <laughs> I have the promise of guaranteed security. I remember reading about a manager and a sales rep. They stood looking at a map on which colored pins indicated the company representatives in each area. But the manager looked at this sales rep and he said, hey, I'm not going to fire you, but I'm just going to loosen your pin a little bit. And if it happens to fall out over time, that's your fault, not mine. Beloved, can I tell you, we're not stuck in with pins. We're stuck in through the blood of Jesus Christ, amen? You and I don't have to have a wiggle if we're gonna wiggle our way out of our salvation. It's never gonna happen. We are secure in the Lord Jesus, amen? I mean, can you imagine climbing up one of the icy mountains in the, in the Arctic somewhere? And you've got these guides that are going before you. And let's say it's a God and it's, a, it's me and it's a, a God and it's Pastor Justin and it's a God and it's, it's Kyle, and we're climbing up that mountain, and, and let's just say, man, the dude up at the top, he's, he's drove a peg down deep into the ice, and he's tied us all up, and we're all hanging because of him. Well, Justin is climbing up, and Justin slips and causes me and some others to slip. Oh, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to depend on that dude up there that's got the stake in, right? And then if Kyle gets acting crazy and doing his thing and causes all to fall, we all get slipping, and we're all going to fall. We're hanging there. But this dude up at the top is still standing because he's got a peg stuck in the ice, amen. Can I tell you, we may slip and fall down here, but praise God, we're never going to fall forever off the mountain of God's grace because we've been pegged in because of the cross, amen. We're secure in Jesus. We may slip and slide, but we're secure, amen. And listen to me, that has nothing to do with you and me. That has everything to do with God because God is faithful, amen. God is faithful. You and I have a new position. We are saints. We have new possessions, grace, gifts, and a guarantee. We have the past grace of salvation, the present gifts of the Spirit, and the promise of guaranteed security, but we have to live like it, amen. 
Ben, I wonder if you would come on up, those who are singing our invitation, because it's time to bring this plane down to the ground. Many years ago, the U.S. government gave a huge piece of land to a tribe of Indians in, it says here, Oklahoma, but I can't say that word. Mm, that hurts. All I know is there should be more missionaries in Oklahoma. They need Jesus. UT, baby. Anyway, they, they gave it to these Indians because they thought it was worthless land. Shortly thereafter, oil was found on the land, and this tribe of Indians became fabulously wealthy. The land had been divided up among the Indians in individual plots. But sometime after, one of the Indians who'd received a piece of this land, he died of starvation. And when they found him, they found this leather locket around his neck, inside which was a piece of paper that was crumbled up. Well, the Indian valued the paper because it had come from the great white father in Washington, D.C. But when they opened this locket up and this little leather pouch up, they opened it, and here's what the paper read. It was, in fact, from the Department of Indian Affairs informing this man that he was the possessor of one of the wealthy plots of the land in that Indian reservation. But yet this Indian died of starvation because he was illiterate and didn't know how to read the note that was in the locket. He was not aware that he was living on a very wealthy piece of land. But can I tell you this morning that through the reading of God's word, you and I have been made aware that the Bible says that we have become enriched with everything in him that you and I have been made extremely wealthy in the grace of the Lord Jesus. And can I tell you, you and I don't need to starve while we're down here on earth. We can live the abundant life that Jesus promised us because what? We can read the book, amen. You and I have been given such blessings in the Lord Jesus. So I wonder, as this team begins to play the song, I wonder, would you just rise to your feet today as I call you to respond to whatever it is that the Lord Jesus may be putting on your heart. I told you earlier that I would give you an opportunity to come and receive the grace of, of our King. Beloved, Jesus Christ is coming back. And I believe with all my heart, because Paul did, I'm going to take his opinion. I believe he's coming back in my lifetime. Can I just beg you from my heart? That if you don't know where you stand before the King of Kings today, that before you leave this room, you will have settled that issue. You say, Pastor, what do I do? How do I do that? Well, you do what the Bible says to do. You just call upon the name of the Lord.
I'm going to help you through that in just a moment. But for those of you maybe who do know the Lord, I wonder again today, are you using your spiritual gifts that you've been given to serve the church? Are you living in a way that you're looking forward to when Jesus comes back? He's coming. (laughs) Some of you may get freaked out by what I'm about to say. I've been accused of some things, and I I don't want to give you any more ammunition to use against me. I just want to tell you this. The Spirit of God just said something to my heart. There's somebody in this room today who needs to hear what I'm about to say. Beloved, whomever you are, do not wait. Do not wait. If you need the Lord Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And this is going to be a prayer that you can pray from your heart to the King. And I'm just going to say some words. And maybe just silently or even out loud, you can say these words. And you can communicate to the King of Kings. But if you need to know where you stand with the Lord Jesus, if you need to know that you can be forgiven and have a home in heaven, but also have all that God has to be adopted into his family, to be blessed. If you want all that, I'm just going to tell you right now in your heart of hearts, Would you pray this prayer with me? Church, right now, would you bow your head and would you intercede for those who may not know the Lord Jesus today? Would you intercede for those in in Ukraine, those people who are facing death at any hour and any moment, that they would receive Jesus? Church, would you go to prayer? But for you in this room here today, maybe listening by way of internet, maybe you're going to be hearing this on the radio right now. In Jesus' precious name, if you want to settle this, pray a prayer, something like this from your heart. God, today I realize that I have sinned against you. I know that I deserve death and separation from you. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I ask you to have mercy on me. Jesus, I believe that you died for me. That you were buried for me. That you were raised for me. And I ask you to save me. I trust you completely. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. Help me. Make me new. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.